0: Log Talk Radio. And hello, welcome to this installment of the Diardo Show. My name is Brian Diardo, and Brian Rosen will be joining you here. And uh, if you'd like to call
1: into the show, please do at 323 642
0: 1567. We're going to be
1: having
0: Brian joining us here in just a second. We're going to be discussing uh, the Cream Hunt situation and the Antonio Brown situation. So, um, you know, I, I cover the Steelers 24-7 sports. Brian is as connected with Cleveland sports teams as anybody you're going to find out there. And we do have Brian here joining us. So, yeah, Brian, uh, both of our teams are uh, kind of in the circle of all the news <laughs> involving the NFL, my man. How are things going for you?
1: Hey, Brian, doing great. Uh, life is good in, in Denver, Colorado. It's a nice day. It's 50 degrees here in, I guess, the early evening for us here on uh, the Mountain Time Zone. But all is well, and it was a great day from the standpoint that uh, the, the Denver Broncos decided to trade for Joe Flacco, which I find to be hilarious. Uh, Case Keenum was really bad last year. For the Broncos, but the fact that they think that giving up a fourth round pick for Joe Flacco will improve things at all is beyond me, and uh, I think it's hilarious. I guess the only negative is is, uh, since the Ravens are rivals of both of us, that the Ravens get a solid pick in a fourth round for a guy that wasn't going to start anyway. So, solid return for them, and I have no idea why John Elway only can see the quarterback in the mirror when he looks in the mirror. And there's no idea beyond that of how to identify a franchise quarterback. But kind of enjoying that as Broncos fans
0: melt. Yeah, you know, and and this is kind of the the story of the day. So, to me, dude, you know what's funny? So, the last podcast we did, I was so critical of John Elway saying, you know, the only thing he's done in Denver in terms of, you know, addressing the quarterback situation was, you know, he got Peyton Manning in there. And mostly because Peyton Manning respected him for what he was as a player. But I'm going to have to say I'm not totally against this because, I mean, at this current juncture, the Ravens won this this uh, acquisition, um, which I find hilarious because even, like, the Broncos' website came out today and pretty much said the trade's going down but didn't say it because they can't officially have this happen until the new league year starts on March 13th. But I think the way Denver wants to do this, Brian, is the exact way they did it in 15, which was – Dominant defense, and you bring in a quarterback that, I mean, I guess here's the question. I mean, it, 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 can the Broncos' defense be as good as 15 or close, and can Joe Flacco be as good as Peyton Manning was in 15 or close? I can tell you that Flacco is better right now than Manning was in 15, and this Denver defense, while not what it was in 15, I, they're bringing—you know, their head coach is, is – you know, the man they just hired is a defensive mind. So that's how they're gonna to try to win it. And they got a, a good young running back. They haven't had a good number one receiver in quite a while. I mean Emmanuel Sanders is good, but he's not a number one receiver anymore. So yeah, right now the Ravens won. But uh you know I, I think it's gonna be interesting. And uh we'll see but I, I will say this though. Elway definitely has had a short trigger during his time in Denver with the coaching staff turnover, with the quarterback turnover. So he needs to start having some stability there, but obviously that's not what we're going to be spending most of our time talking about. Uh, the Antonio Brown stuff, uh, which happened Tuesday, and then the Kareem Hunt situation on Monday. Wasn't sure which one you wanted to tackle first, Brian, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, the Antonio Brown story to me is fascinating because you have a player that is acting like he is a free agent when he's not. I mean, he he put on Instagram today asking fans to, to let him know which team he should sign with. It's like, buddy, you're not a free agent. <laughs> so this whole situation to me is fascinating. And also all the misinformation out there. Like, I, you know, I, I'm – I'm traveling right now and I'm at a hotel and someone actually said to me, I can't believe the Steelers are going to let, just let him go. It's like, uh, have you not been following the situation? So yeah, Brian, I mean, I wasn't sure which one you wanted to delve into first, but I find both stories fascinating for, for two very different reasons. Yeah. I mean, on,
1: on on my end, I, Brian, yeah, sorry about that. On my end, I yeah, I mean, I I could go either way. I think I think we should start with, off with Antonio Brown. Um, one thing I want to mention, and we texted about this today, is I'll admit I had to go online to verify that Antonio Brown had not won a Super Bowl at the Steelers. And before the Steelers fans that are listening jump on me, look, I know a lot about football. In a sense, I give you guys so much credit, justifiably so, or how good you are. That it didn't seem possible to me that it could be nine years, ten years since you know 2009 Super Bowl um, that the Steelers have won a, super, won a won a championship because that's that's how consistent the Steelers are. So it was really interesting, and and it, it you know I definitely want to discuss the legacy of Antonio Brown too, you know, on our podcast tonight. It's it's fascinating to think that you know he was there and there were so many good teams and teams close to a Super Bowl and you know maybe a probably a Brady away from. Uh, or a lack of a Brady away, should say, for multiple Super Bowls in this span. But it's just, it's, it's really fascinating to me to see what happened. And again, i mean after the way everything's went down. I don't have any issue with the way the Steelers have handled it. Um, I, I'm really fascinated to see which route the Steelers go. Steelers will definitely get get something from this. But um, obviously, that you have a roster bonus that you know, plays into the beginning of free agency. I believe it's a couple days, what, four days, the 17th, I believe it is, where there's a roster bonus due, and then you, you have to figure out, you know, uh, can you avoid a salary cap hit and just uh, a bunch of dead money um, or a combination of dead money and a salary cap hit. So it's going to be really fascinating um, to see, you know, how, how, how everything goes down. But, um, but yeah, I mean – yeah, I don't know if we want to start there. I'm really curious on, on your thoughts on, on the legacy of Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. At the end of the day, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers football is built on championships. And while there were a ton of great teams, um, or at least very good teams, however you want, you want to define it, in his uh, tenure as a Steeler, the reality is championships are what it's all about. And Antonio Holmes and Fast Willie Parker have titles. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown will not win a championship ever for the black and gold.
0: So it's funny because you're asking his legacy. So so here's what happened to me today. So Antonio reminded everybody on Instagram, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> but he posts on Instagram his statistics since eleven. And I decided to look more thoroughly at what he's done since 13, because that's when 13 he really just started to rip off this clip he's currently on. So I'm not kidding about these stats. Since the start of the 13 seasons, that's been six NFL seasons, Brown has caught 686 passes. So we're talking, you know, well over 100 catches a year. 9,145 yards, so you're talking like 13, 1,400 yards a season. 67 touchdowns, so that's 11 a season, a little bit more than 11. He had it in 2015, and Ben missed an entire month of that season and missed parts of four other games. This is 2015. He caught 136 passes for eight, 1,834 yards and 10 touchdowns. And he had 284 yards and 17 catches in one game that season. I mean, so I think to me when you hear all this drama and when you're seeing it on a week, to week basis you just really forget how great of a player he is I can't like understate that enough and I feel like it's almost like when a run ends and you start taking it for granted whether it's a player or a team and I actually I was thinking about like the 90s Indians for you and that even went into the 2000s it's like once maybe it's over you look at the entirety of the journey and you say, oh, my gosh, like, do we really know what we just watched here? Like, we watched somebody that averaged, like, how many, like fourteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 yards a season, 11 touchdowns, over 100 catches. We, We took it for granted. I mean, the Steelers haven't lost to the Bengals since 2015. They've lost just one game to the Browns in the last, like, half decade. I mean, they've owned, for the most part, the AFC North. How much of that is attributed to Antonio Brown? A lot of it. Because whenever the Steelers have been in doubt the last five, six, seven, eight years, they just throw the ball to Antonio Brown and he makes a crazy play. I mean, nobody can criticize him as a player. I mean, statistically, workouts, um, devotion to his craft, uh, making a team better, taking away half a field. Um, you know, a lot, of the success, a lot of the success the other receivers around him have had, including Juju, um, the success that Ben has had. I mean, I think all but one of Ben's Pro Bowl selections have come with Juju, or with uh, AB. I mean, Ben's had six Pro Bowl selections. Five of them have come with AB as his number one receiver. So he has elevated Ben to a Hall of Fame status where maybe Ben wouldn't be. So I think that's the first thing that I, I hope Steeler fans – remember and I think a lot Brian, it's almost gonna be like a cult thing. I think there's gonna be fans that are younger than us. So maybe I'm talking, you know, college age kids right now, maybe, you know, high school, like, you know, whatever, like maybe like the fifteen to twenty year old range right now, that their first memories of football and being a Steeler fan was being in awe of Antonio Brown. So I think the that, that generation, it's almost like my gen our generation with like a Cordell Stewart where he didn't win a ring, but you just remember how many times he made plays where you were just like, oh, my gosh. And that's what Antonio Brown will be. He'll be the guy that, that a lot of adults won't like and some younger fans won't like. But I, I think for the fans in 20 years from now that will be in their 30s and whatever, they're going to say he was so good. and it's gonna be, And they're going to be, I think, defend him even harder because of all the backlash that they're going to get. Um, and I think that's the big reason why Antonio does want to leave because when the team doesn't win Super Bowls, it's the blame's pointed at him a lot. And I would say that, that there's really only one season where I would pin it on him to a, to a decent degree. And that would be the Facebook live incident in the divisional round of the 16 playoffs, because, and I wrote about that today. I mean, that week, instead of talking about the Patriots, instead of talking about being back in your first AFC championship game in six years, I mean, he has to do a press conference to apologize for his actions, which he was 30 minutes late to, and getting a haircut in the room next to his press conference room. So obviously he didn't care. Um, Mike Tomlin has to address it. You know, the whole team does. And, you know, Brown comes out and has an underwhelming game, just like the rest of his team does. And they, they get outclassed, and and pretty much the Patriots broke their will in the second half of that game with LeGarrette Blunt, that insult to injury, the former Steelers. So uh, I, I think that. Overall, his legacy is is going to be a really good player, one of the greatest individual talents the team's ever had. But for faults of his own and just the overall uh, culture and environment of this team, they weren't able to get it done. Um, And I think the main reason why Brown wants to leave is he wants to be celebrated more in whatever city he plays in. He knows if he goes to Cleveland and, you know, they have a great season, they win a playoff game he's going to be celebrated. And it's not that he doesn't want to win a Super Bowl. I just feel like he is tired of the micro-analysis and the over-reporting. I mean, Brown went public with his trade tweet an hour after local media in Pittsburgh have been reporting about him not showing up for a court date for a speeding ticket. And that's the kind of stuff that he usually does when there's bad news written about him. He counteracts with topping it, like, oh, you're going to write about this? Well, then I'm going to do this. Like when the domestic stuff came out, he he tweeted about like that was the release of his Nike shoes. It's it's all him trying to play chess with the media, and that's just not a fight you're going to win. That was very long-winded, Brian, but I think hopefully that gave you some of the answers you were looking for from somebody that has thought about Antonio Brown's legacy for the better part of 36 hours. <laughs> no, I mean, I,
1: I, I think that's good stuff, and really a lot of what you said, I think – and coming from the perspective that you're coming from, again, versus the perspective of someone who's younger, you know, kind of speaks to I, – I, I talked to a friend of mine today, and she is – you know, she's from Somerset, Pennsylvania, huge Steelers fan, whole family. It's a huge – you know, our, our huge Steelers fans. And uh, and what she was saying is the way she sort of characterized the legacy. Because so I asked her her opinion on the legacy of Antonio Brown, and, and it's funny, I said to her, I'm like, you don't have to get right back to me. You can, you can let me know after you think about it. And her answer was, I've been thinking about this plenty. <laughs> like it's, you know, I'm thinking about it a lot. Um, so, you know, she just gave me right off off, off the cuff. But realistically, she thought a about it. And she compared it to sort of, a you know, your high school sweetheart. You know, you have a close relationship in high school. You know, maybe, it, maybe we'll, we'll use the stereotypical scenario of the head cheerleader, hot cheerleader, dating the captain of the football team. Everything's great. You're the envy of everyone else. It's all positive, nothing but great memories. And then you go to college, start to change a little bit. You become different people and you break up and that's that. And uh, she even threw in there that, you know, Hey, maybe at the five year reunion, you meet again. And if you happen to be single, you end up in bed together. But that's another story. Um, you know, it, it it's it really is. Uh, I think going to be a tale of, of, of the ending versus the beginning, where there were so many positives. You mentioned the statistics. You know, this is a fascinating podcast. We're going to mention two topics. We're not going to really rip on it. I believe deservingly so. The Steelers and how they handled it. And the Steelers' result in all this, right, is a cap hit or dead money and losing. Uh, first-ballot Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. The Browns, I think we're going to be, I I, I know I will be, very critical of, and the Browns are adding, based solely on football alone, one of the top five running backs in football. So it's a fascinating podcast when you consider those two dichotomies, that the team that's losing the all-pro, the stud, the best receiver in football, is going to get – you know, praised realistically. And the team that is, is adding an all pro caliber running back is going to be, you know, going to get a, a, some, a lot of frustration justifiably. So, so it, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a Browns fan and as a fan of anyone in the NFL, it's not the Steelers. You can't help, but be excited at the idea of not having to deal with him anymore. Not to face him. a guy, of that caliber, who's so good, who's such a dynamic player, who you have to provide safety help to. And maybe a good point to shift to before Kareem Hunt's situation is, you know, what are the Steelers going to look like moving forward? You know, that's the big thing. You know, uh, as great a player as Juju Smith-Schuster looks like, as a young player coming into, you know, next season, there is a lot of pressure on him. You can't deny that when you have Antonio Brown on the other side, it helps. So now the number one corners, the top corners, the lockdown corners, Denzel Ward for the Browns, a guy of that caliber, you know, who, who was guarding Antonio Brown this year. And he did a pretty decent job for the most part. You know, guys like that, your, your top corners in the league, are going to be the ones that are going to be guarding, you know, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I know James Washington's a big right. name, in, you know, in terms of the Steelers right now. That's that's someone who he's got to step up and and, and you know, Guys have to mature quickly, maybe more, you know, more so than you would expect out of them uh, to be successful. So I think it's going to be really fascinating. Obviously, whatever you can get for Brown, you have, you know, hopefully additional draft capital that will help. But you know, that becomes the big question: is what does the wide receiver receiving core look like, uh, and how effective can it be next year? And, and and do you add a free agent? So those are, you know, a, a bunch of things as you look towards next year. I'd like your opinion on. You know, as a, you know, someone who covers the Steelers and is a lifelong fan?
0: So, it's a good question. So, I think – obviously, I don't think Ben's going to throw for 5,100 yards like he did last year. <laughs> but you look at what they're having coming back. They got 1,000 yards and, and six touchdowns and 80 catches from their tight ends last year, Vance McDonald and Jesse James. Jesse James is a free agent. So, I think now you, you've re-signed Jesse James. I think that makes it easy because you need – as many receivers. You need, honestly, all of your first and second string receivers' tight ends to come back. So you get Vance and you get Jesse James back. Now, James Conner caught 55 passes last year. Is he Le'Veon Bell? No, but he's, he's better than your average running back in terms of catching the football. So you get those 55 catches for 500 yards back. Jalen Samuels, their rookie last year, who I'm, I'm big on, he had three touchdown receptions last year. Um, so he's going to be back, obviously. You've got Juju, 111 catches last year, 1,400 yards, led the team. Yes, um, you know, he was even after in the Super Bowl, not having A.B., um, how much pressure does that put on you, not having somebody on the other side that attracts so much attention from the defense. And Juju said it's not just about A.B., it's about the whole team. You know, if, if Connor is doing well catching the ball, that's going to open things up. The tight ends. And, and obviously Juju has to be political there. He can't just say yeah, it's gonna stink. <laughs> but I don't think it'll be as bad as, as maybe it would be for other teams that are gonna lose an AB. And, and conversely, I mean, it's almost like again, you look at the '90s Cowboys. Why did them? You know, there's always this taking away credit from somebody else. You know, who was really responsible for their success? Was it Emmett? Was it Irvin? Was it Troy Aikman? And and, and kind of like the Steelers now. You know, who's mostly responsible? Well, I th- I think it's honestly Brian. I think it's Ben. Who's been the common denominator with all these receivers that have come and gone, Santonio Holmes, Hines Ward, um, you know, Emmanuel you, you know, uh, Sanders, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, Marshavis Bryant, Juju Smith. I mean, Ben's been the common denominator. So you have Ben Roethlisberger. And as long as he doesn't fall off a cliff, which he led the league in passing last year, I think they'll be able to make it work. It'll be more small ball. They're not going to be able to take the top off defenses. Like you look at that Browns game, for example, the, the second game they played this year, that's when the game started to get away from the Browns. That was a close game for a long way, and the Browns had to leave that game early. A.B. caught a late touchdown when the Browns' defense was starting to reel. James Conner had a nice 30-yard, I think it was a catch. It was, it was a short play, regardless, that he broke for 30 yards. And that started to get the, the Browns' defense on their heels. They're expecting another play with Conner, and then Ben goes over the top to top the Browns. Who's going to do that? You know, Ryan Switzer... Um, I'm looking for him to have a very big season. I mean, you, you see some Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola qualities out of him. Is he going to grow and ascend? And I mean, he needs to be the number, the number three, potentially. I mean, there needs to be competition, and there's going to be. And I think that now coming back, you know, James Washington has to put his big boy pants on. And he led the Steelers in receiving uh, in their Week 15 victory over the Patriots. And so he's going to have to continue – And he he is a big play guy. I mean, he has those abilities. That's why they drafted him in the second round. But um, I I do think that they're going to draft a receiver in the first three rounds. And I think they're going to bring in a veteran. And I think they're going to have to go to Justin Hunter, who really didn't work. He was signed two years ago. And Darius hayward Bay, who was signed five years ago, who um, I think they were hoping to get more production out of, but he was so good on special teams. He was good in the spots that he played in. And he's a great locker room, you know, guy. But now, with A.V. gone, you need to – you don't have room for those kind of guys. You need production at every wide receiver spot. So, uh, a guy that I would like to see them at least talk to is Emmanuel Sanders because he started his career in Pittsburgh. He is a hard worker. He's won a ring. He did suffer that injury last year, though, and they said it's going to take six to nine months to recover. So, he should be good for next year, but a 31-year-old receiver coming off an injury, you never like to see that. But – yeah, Brian, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, here's kind of been the thing to close what everybody in Pittsburgh is saying. Worst case, you don't make the playoffs this year, which isn't any worse than last year. <laughs> so that's kind of the mindset right now. And hopefully if they can get a second-round pick for Brown, which I think they need to get. If they get a third or a fourth, I think it's a failure. Um, if they get a second or first, I would say it's a win. Um, and then you use that pick on a receiver. And then you can still use your other first, you know, you know, and second round picks on inside linebacker and cornerback.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I you know, I, I yeah, it, it's, it's definitely gonna be interesting. I think what you hit on it, I, I, is going to be key. I believe for the it is the tight ends above all else because that's been, you know, one of the best friends of Ben uh throughout his career in Pittsburgh. You know, Heath Miller being. Uh, the type of player that, I mean, you really wonder how effective he would have been on other teams, but man, he was such a, a solid rock, solid player for the Steelers for a lot of years. So uh, Vance McDonald, I think uh, a big key, I you know, in terms of stepping up, you know, I do think that, that it is important to have that extra receiver. Um, and, you know, one thing you mentioned is, you know, the, the second Brown Steelers game, you know, from the Browns perspective, I look at it very simply. I knew Early in that game, after the first quarter, in my mind, the Browns already lost, and the reason why I knew the Browns already lost was they got field goals, not touchdowns. So that's going to be the big key for the for the Browns in a scenario like that is, you know, what happens if instead of it being six nothing Browns, it's fourteen nothing at the beginning of that game, you know that that then all of a sudden things are, are very different. Um, but you know, I I, I think that. Teams to have great corners, I believe, are going to have the ability to shut down or really contain Juju. So that's where you know you need others, and and there's definitely some talent there, and other guys that will be effective. But but I do think that whatever you get for for Brown will help. Um, but I do believe you guys are are going to need to, you know, add at least a productive. It need to be a slam dunk player, but a productive player in free agency to be able to help. Um, you know, what you currently have and, and to be affected. So it's going to be fascinating to, to really see what happens, you know, within the division. And when we're talking about the Steelers, we'll talk more about the Browns too because that's, you know, both of us kind of agreed we've envisioned those two teams being the teams that are going to compete for the FC North championship, going to compete for playoff spots next year, more so than the Ravens will. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be very fascinating to see uh, w- to see what happens moving forward, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, w- with free agency, the one piece that I you know I'd love you to, to, to clarify more for me and you know for maybe others listening that are not as versed is you know if you can talk a little bit about the timeline in terms of Antonio Brown and what needs to happen. The fact that you know you ha- you know how the calendar sort of fits in with the roster bonus and with dead money. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, when it comes to trading Antonio Brown, when that trade needs to happen, and do you think, this is just a, a bigger question, that getting a second-round pick may be slightly difficult from the standpoint that the Steelers do lack a little bit of leverage because of that calendar?
2: Well, I think, I think at the end of
0: the day they'll eat $2.5 million if it means getting the right thing. If they're only going to get a fifth-round pick for Brown, um, then I would wait. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe – and I don't know necessarily how every trade works, but maybe you can ask the other team, hey, we just had to pay him a $2.5 million roster bonus, like recoup for us. So I don't think, honestly, Brian – and this is where I disagree with, with – you know, Ed Bouchette is a Hall of Fame writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette today. He has said that the Steelers should just take anything they can get, even a seventh-round pick in 2020, just whatever they can get to get Brown out of town, just do it. I disagree with that. Um, and I know the Steelers do, they want to get as much value for him as possible. Um, they have until March 17th, um, to trade him before they would owe him a $2.5 million roster bonus. And again, I don't think obviously they're going to try to trade him before that, obviously, but I think they will, I would say there's a 90% chance he's gone before then. But that being said, um, I I think yes, the, the leverage there isn't quite as strong because teams know that they're on a time clock. And that's I'm glad you brought that up. Um it's something important people need to know. But that being said, I, I think there's a team that's desperate out there that will give up the second round pick. I don't know if a first round pick honestly is possible because you've got all these character ish questions, you know, even though he's never done what Kareem Hunt's done or, or that you know, DUIs or anything, but he does have the domestic incident, um, you know, that happened in January in Florida. Um, he also had the situation where he's being uh, sued for throwing, you know, furniture off of his, you know, out of an apartment in uh, Florida, which nearly injured a two-year-old. These are all allegations, um, so we don't know if it's fact or not. But so I, I think a first-round pick is most likely out the window. But I, I definitely think that there is a second-round pick. on um, And I think, you know, I don't know if a third-round pick would be a failure. I think that would be kind of a, a settle, a coin flip. But, okay, wasn't the best, but I can live with a third-round pick. I think anything outside of that is, is a failure. But um, I do think that um, they do lose leverage because they know that it's – I mean, it's over. I mean, there's no way he's going to come back. And I think that it's almost like the Kobe situation with Shaq where some people are upset that it only lasted eight, nine years. But I think now people should, you know, and this is the way I think of those times, they're lucky they got that much time out of it because those two just never fit. There were two puzzle pieces that didn't fit, but they made it work. Now those guys got championships, the Steelers didn't, but they had a lot of nice productive seasons, memorable seasons, entertaining seasons. Um, It it is really though, like you you said, it's very, very unfortunate that they couldn't get a championship. Um, That is the biggest thing. But I think ultimately him leaving is very, very good because it's going to force Juju now to work harder because all those guys are going to be incredibly motivated. I would imagine to prove that they can, they can be better without Antonio Brown. It was definitely a rallying cry this year without having Le'Veon that, Hey, we can still be a powerful running team and a great offense. The Steelers offense scored 53 touchdowns this season, which is the most in franchise history. Um, So yeah, I, I think there's still enough firepower there and, but yeah, March seventeenth—that's that's the date, and uh, I think he'll be gone before then. And they'll—I they'll, think they'll have a trade in principle um, before the thirteenth. I think they're going to find a trade that they like at the combine later this month, and I think that's when it'll go down.
1: Gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean it's going to be—it's going to be very fascinating to, to see what happens, you know, moving forward. I, I guess the point I was trying to make is, you know, how what what the hit is on the salary cap. Versus what? The, versus not the ability to trade them. Not uh, much get, of one. That was that. Yeah, that's what I wanted you to touch on too. Just because I'm trying to understand that. Is, is that If I understood it correctly, that if you don't trade them by a certain date, I thought it was March 17th. I know that the roster bonus is due then too. Then you're in a position where you have money. You could, you know, have potentially 20 plus million counting against you on the salary cap versus the ability to only have 20 plus million count as dead money and not have money against salary cap. And the other option being holding on to him, I believe it was to June 1st or whatever the date was, might it be July 1st, uh, that you could hang on to him. And then at that point, you're going to have money against the camp. It could be 10 against the camp versus the 20. But I don't think there's a scenario where it makes sense to hang on to him too much. And that's where I do think these other teams have the leverage is it, at the end of the day, there is a bigger picture of it's time. You got to move on. Um, I think there's an in-between between kind of what you're saying Maybe being overly optimistic in terms of what you can get for him and what the writer you referenced is saying of take anything. I think there's an in between there. You don't want this to drag I agree with
2: a you. I agree. It's a agree. football team yeah.
1: that still has a chance to and, and, and aspires to win the division and go beyond that. Ben is, you said, great year last year, right? Incredibly productive. He's getting older. It's not like he's got so many years left that you can afford to really waste years. And the division, as much as it's a Browns fan, I'm excited because I see. Boy, this division's wide open. Well, if honestly I do at Boy, this division's wide open. Um, it's not going to get easier uh, as the Browns, especially, continue to develop. The Browns are going to become the other side moving forward, as long as they don't mess up, you know, too much moving forward. And if Lamar Jackson can develop and if the Ravens can have, Then they can be tougher in twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one, and beyond, than they will be in in, in twenty nineteen. So I think there there is that sense of urgency that's built in a little bit just based on just the human emotions of the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and a lot of good points you made. And, and I think the biggest thing is, again, it's like the Le'Veon thing. You've got to rip the Band-Aid off and move on. And you can't have this continue to hang over your team. It was it was way – Le'Veon was too much of a distraction in 18 – and so is Brown. And there comes a point when you need to get rid of the noise. And there is an ad- addition by a by a subtraction. And you got to have this done by the time the players come back for OTAs, which is you know March or May. And again, um, if you wait until June or whatnot, now you you lost a draft pick. They need to get. And again, like you said, and I think I think you're right. I, I think that. Maybe I'm being a little too hard on and picking a fourth-round pick, probably because I'm seeing Joe Flacco go for a fourth-round pick. But again, that's a different situation where there's not the leverage thing and and all of that. So and again, you look at Dallas trading a number one pick for Amari Cooper. Like, you know, obviously, if Dallas had a number one pick right now, they I could see them you know giving up something like that for Antonio. But again, like you said, um, there is the leverage thing, which the Steelers have none. So, you know, I think for them it's. Ideally, they can get that third or second-round pick because there's a there's a lot of good receivers out there uh, in this draft, including Paris Campbell, who's explosive, who had 90 catches last year, which I believe is a single-season Ohio State record, um, 11 touchdowns. So there's a lot of good receivers in this draft, and the Steelers are tremendous at drafting receivers. So, um, yeah, I, I. but again, like you said, and, and I think they're going to transition Bell – with the thought of trading him, because they really want value for Le'Veon. They're not just going to let him go, which a lot of people are saying right now, just please don't transition him, just take your loss, take the third-round pick in 2020. But they firmly believe they can transition and then trade him uh, and then get value for him. But it has to work this time. The Steelers need a great offseason, not a good offseason. They need a great offseason, because as we discussed in our last podcast, the Browns had a better off season than Pittsburgh last year. And that's how the gap went from 13 games or 12 games. Uh, no, it was 13 games. It went from 13 games to a game and a half that, that separated them from 17 and 18.
1: Well, yeah, I would argue that the gap, when you say best, better off season, I think the gap was the Browns got added a franchise quarterback. I think that's, yep. that's, that's where it started yep. and, 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 and where it ends. And, and and that's I think a great yeah. place to transition to yep. our other topic, which is about the Browns, but but it, but it's bigger than the Browns. It, it, this is a, an issue that goes well beyond football, and that is bringing in Kareem Hunt. Let me before we even get to Kareem Hunt, let me set the stage because I kind of want to make my initial point on this. You know, one of the reasons why I pointed that the Browns made the signing is, you know, you have Baker Mayfield, you have somebody who has really changed. And added a level of excitement. You brought in Jarvis Landry last year, Demarius Randall. You know, the Browns, you have a team that's building heading into this offseason. And, you know, to get seven wins after two, you know, or I'm sorry, one win, excuse me, one win combined in two seasons. That's that you know, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of a lot of belief. So things are trending in the right direction. You have John Dorsey who's incredibly respected for the drafting that he's done with the Browns and previously with the Chiefs. Freddie Kitchens is someone that people believe in. And the more and more I read about him, the more excited I am. Uh, Lane Maurice, uh, as of time of this podcast, has, has uh, two parts of a multi-part series about Freddie Kitchens and about him, uh, you know, what made this man coming from uh, Alabama and a small town, and, and just two parts talking about it, learning about his dad and dad's to Alabama, where he's from, I'm just even more excited. This guy gets it. There's all this positivity. So now, ignoring for a moment the bigger, the biggest reason by far that I would not have signed Kareem Hunt, with all the good that's here, you're going to add a significant distraction. And I just don't think that, that it's worth the risk. The biggest reason is this. You know, Kareem Hunt, we all saw the video. He punched, he kicked a woman. And it's tough because I am definitely a believer in second chance. I've worked with inner city youth before. I've worked with individuals who have had tough upbringings and have faced some, you know, uh, some of the difficulties that Kareem Hunt did with with having very poor support, having horrible influences from, from family, from the people you care about the most. So I'm definitely empathetic to that. Uh, but but I just think when it comes to you know kicking or, you know domestic violence involving a woman, um, that's it's very difficult for me to ever accept that for that to ever be something that that is going to warrant a second chance. So so this one's definitely very hard for me in that regard. And 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 you know between just the Browns trending in the right direction and taking this risk and just you know a risk management perspective of it not making sense and at the same time you know, just really not being in favor of providing an opportunity to somebody that committed such a heinous act, you know, I'm, I'm very against it. I definitely want to get kind of your open opening opinions on this, and obviously have a lot more to say in terms of my opinions on it. You know, I also want to kind of tie in Colin Kaepernick and Ray Rice to this. I want to have a little bit of a larger discussion on this because I do have some points about the difference between those two guys, and I understand Ray Rice and, you know, did something horrible, and Colin Kaepernick didn't. I'm not in any way comparing what Colin Kaepernick did, right. you know, versus what Ray Rice cream-hunted, but I want to bring in Colin Kaepernick to the discussion a little bit later for a reason, and I'll get to that. But mm-hmm. uh, before we do, I want to get your initial opinions on your thoughts about the decision, uh, you know, it really, from your perspective, the it's the Browns, but it's not the Browns. It's It's really, in general, the idea that this man – you know, two months after being cut by one of the best teams in football, the team that, let's face it, they had Kareem Hunt, maybe wins the Super Bowl. Probably, based on the way the Rams won, probably does win the Super Bowl. I think it's yeah. fair to say that because they near, very nearly, and in some some what should have, you know, gotten to the Super. Bowl. I'm not one of those. But your initial thoughts on, on Kareem Hunt going anywhere
0: uh,
1: and, and getting an opportunity in the NFL, you know, this quickly.
0: So Ben was in a current the similar situation eight nine years ago. Uh, the difference was there was never a camera, never a video, so he never really knew. Um, ben never admitted to anything. He he said he acted um, unwisely. Um, not exactly a quote there, but you know Ben the Steelers pretty much gave him his last rights and were like you can't do this stuff anymore. And Ben has been pretty much the model person, player, leader. I mean he's a. He's been one of the Steelers team captains for many years. You know, again, uh, Ben's situation was a little—it was obviously different than Kareem Hunt, but it was still at the end of the day, disrespecting a woman physically. And again, ben, you know, Ben admits that he did some things wrong, and that's—you know—he did—and never admitted to certain things, but but whatnot. But a very similar situation to Kareem Hunt, nonetheless. Ben made the most of his second chance in spades. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better turnaround story than the one that that Ben has enjoyed, both on the field and off the field. So that's kind of my thought is that I I initially really didn't like it, really didn't like it. Um, And then I heard about, you know, John Dorsey. I did not know that he drafted Kareem Hunt when he was uh, with the Chiefs. I did not know that. and. That they he no one obviously knows Cream Hunt outside of the Chiefs better than than John Dorsey and, and the people in Cleveland. So obviously they know more about his character than almost anybody else. Um and so especially in the NFL, um so uh, I would imagine that um they did a lot of research and he has to make the most of this second chance and there can't be another slip up. And I think that's ultimately how the Browns will be judged. They will be judged with how Kareem Hunt acts as an individual after this. It won't be, honestly, you know, if he is never a pro bowler again and is a decent, at best, you know, contributor to the Browns, but he never has another off-the-field incident again and is a model citizen in Cleveland and does things in the community, then it's a win. Um, You know, hopefully, uh, I won't say this should start a trend of second chances because – You never domestic abuse should never be tolerated in any field at all. And I even wrote an article about this, Brian. How I was condemning the Browns 48 hours ago. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Like this is a joke. Um, I still. I'm not going to say I love it, but I'm going to say I'm going to hold further condemnation, for lack of a better word, or or criticism until this thing plays out a little more. I will say one last thing. uh, My initial thoughts is that. I think it was too soon. Does another month make it better? I don't know. But to me, nine weeks after someone, after the Chiefs, as you said, could have been in the Super Bowl if they had him, uh, nine weeks, weeks—he that was it. That was the only time he had to wait before he got a, a, a new job in the NFL. To me, that's a bad look. Uh, no matter who picked him up, that was a bad look. Nine weeks is, is – but again, maybe a week later, the Texans sign him. So you never know. But the Browns took their shot. They're getting criticized. And uh, But I think what happens after this will, will uh, really tell if, if it was worth it or not, all the criticism and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. And the timing does speak to the fact that, yeah, he was signed this quickly because someone was signing him. So the Browns, right. uh-huh. I don't yep. believe – that the Browns should deserve criticism for the timing as much as the ultimate decision. Um, that piece of it is, you know, in a sense, just lucky. That's where you know, I the, you know, the Bears, uh, one of the teams that are rumored. That, boy, would that make sense, right, on the football field? Because yep. while they have uh, you know uh, Tyre Cohen and they have Jordan Howard, that's a strong combination. Kareem Hunt makes a big difference there uh, in a way that. Maybe he, he's not as needed because just of the overall talent of Nick Chubb, how great a rookie year he had. I don't think there's a uh, you know, three-down back that the Brewers have, for instance, that is, is comparable to, to Nick Chubb. Uh, I think you would get rid of Jordan Howard in a second and add what Tara Cohen can do in the passing game and how effective he could be next to a Korean punt from a football perspective. So, um, but, you know, that's a whole other story. The, the other piece of this – that we haven't yet discussed is, you know, from, and this is just interesting from the perspective of him and the agent, I would argue, and I'm going to take this at face value from the standpoint that there there are probably not 31 better situations overall. There's probably not 31 better support situations that are available to Kareem Hunt and the Browns. But I will say this, from the perspective of distraction, 31 situations that are not his hometown. This is a guy from... Cleveland, uh, from the Cleveland area, and you're sitting here and all of a sudden this man is going to come back and he's going to have family, he's going to have friends, the amount of distractions that this guy is going to have, that concerns me greatly. If I'm, again, trying to think about, you know, his ability to be successful, and that's going to be a huge test for him. You know, I will say the Browns You know, if he is to make any kind of mistake, and John Dorsey, the way he has handled this thus far, he's done well. Um, He's going to get criticism. He deserves it. Fine. He has handled it well. If he makes a mistake tomorrow, he gets a speeding ticket. He's caught on video jaywalking, whatever it is, to prove a point. He's going to be gone, and the Browns will have to pay him a cent. So from that perspective, you know, it's a good situation for the Browns there. But I just think, man, I, I know for me, I try to put myself in this position and I don't really want to because I can't relate in that regard. I didn't go through what he went through. and I'm not going to be disrespectful and pretend that I did. Think about your home and the influences and, and wanting to, you know, or people that maybe are older that you look up to and that you, maybe you've made decisions, everyone in their life, based on family members and <laughs> wanting to impress them and, and this and that. You know, that, that piece of it. You know, the fact that he's from Cleveland, you know, that makes this really, really difficult. And, you know, I may change my opinion in a year, you know, two years, whatever, if Kareem Huntin really proves something. I he can do a lot of positive things like Tyreek Hill has done, who also had the same issues. And, by the way, was also drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs and is very successful. No one talks about him now. There's no issue. Every NFL team wishes they had Tyreek Hill. He's an incredible talent. So there is the potential that this could turn into a positive and, and a potentially a big positive type of situation. Uh, but, 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 you know, I just think the hometown piece of it, and I don't know if you want to chime in on this or you know, any other points, but um, the hometown component of this really rubs me the wrong way and scares me in terms of his ability to, to be successful and to
0: not make any mistakes. And I and I think that the biggest thing here is that, and I'll, you know, the thing that bothered me, honestly, was everybody was saying, oh, he's so close to his hometown. It's like, it's that a good thing. If he's got a good support system, to me, that would be the biggest thing, would be, you know, he's not in a city where he doesn't have people he can trust. He doesn't have a support system. Well, now he comes home, and I would hope that that actually is a better thing for him because now he's going to have people that, are around him, and he's not a big social media guy. He's not a big Antonio Brown type of guy, and you know, unlike Antonio, who again didn't do the things that Kareem Hunt did, but making some comparisons still, you know, Kareem Hunt admitted he did something wrong. He's been overly apologetic about it, and you know, I thought the Browns, if if you're going to sign him with with this type of baggage, they did it the best way. They thoroughly explained it. They got quotes from him. You know, they controlled the message. Um, they explain that that he has, to, you know, they use the word zero tolerance and, you know, everything like that, and that he still needs to prove himself. And I like the fact that it's not like they don't have good running backs already there. They have a guy they they used to high pick on and Chubb, you know, that they have a you know a good duo in the backfield already. So he's gonna have to compete for snaps, and that's again what we talked about with the Steelers receivers. You you want competition now. And so now you bring in another guy that, I mean, his resume speaks for himself. I mean, Kareem Hunt is one of the best running backs in the NFL. So you, you have him on your roster. And, you know, if he – and I imagine he will show up, be incredibly determined, and he's going to battle for, for reps, for snaps, for playing time, for respect, and to prove that that was a fluke. And, and, the, the, I, and I, you know, I, I'm sure everybody, you included, everybody's pulling for him not just for the production. Cause I, you know, I, I, I'm sure that seven, eight months from now when the the season is starting and whatnot, that you would love to just talk about what cream hunts doing on the field and not this, right. I mean, that would be the ultimate win is that, you know, there's no issues off the field and, and conversely, he's doing things for the community. And we're just, we're talking about how the Steelers can try to stop him. And I think that that is ultimately what we all want. And, uh, you know, maybe it's week one against New England. There were reports last week that uh, that the Browns uh, might be one of the teams that plays New England uh, week one. Uh, just the whole Baker, Mayfield, Tom Brady, you know, maybe the up-and-comer, you know, versus uh, the GOAT, as everybody is saying now, uh, and, and an emerging team as well. And obviously the Patriots' reign has to end at some point. And some people think it could be the Browns' time, so... A lot of people were thinking that might be the Patriots' first game of the season, so uh, you will have Steeler fans cheering for the Browns now. Two straight weeks, back to Week 17. Well, I would, I would hope not. I, I, I do
1: not think that Steeler fans should be rooting for the Browns in Week One because there's records that are going to indicate. Now, you don't want the Browns to win any games this year because they're competition for the North, but that's another story. Um, I want to make, do want to make one. Additional point, and it's important for context. When I say that coming home could be a real issue for Kareem Hunt, I'm referring to the fact that the family support, the influence he is not necessarily positive. He has to be very smart with the people that he associates himself with. He has, you know, throughout his family, parents, you know, that have had issues, have been in prison, that have made mistakes, and made continuous mistakes. And I'm not trying to hate on them. I'm just, it's just the reality. I'm not going to go through nor do I have Canley in front of me, and I'm going to speculate on the full rap sheet. But you do have lots of individuals in this life, the type of people that you or I have been blessed that we can count on, that you have to be very leery of. So it, it, that that piece of it is going to be incredibly critical, and I think we'll find out pretty quickly in terms of, you know, does Kareem have that drive to, to not, uh, you know, allow himself <laughs> you know, to to associate with some people you know in his life that are not going to be the most positive uh, of, of influences to him and have not been pretty good.
0: we actually do have somebody so on the line, so we're trying to get point. them in right now. Sorry to cut you off all right, there, Brian. So right, welcome you to the show. Seven two oh Area code, not sure where that is, but let us know your name, where you're from and what you'd like to talk about. That's in Colorado. <laughs>
1: Go ahead. Hello, are Hello, are you there? Hello. are you Well, I don't know what happened, but I will say seven two hours is uh Denver area. So it's up to someone okay. that I know. We'll give
0: them so, one more shot I here. Yes, let's
1: unless unless your sister got you know, got a seven two hour area cookies. I know she's out here. Well can
0: you guys hear
2: me? Yep, yeah, we got you, buddy. Hey, what's going on, Brian? It's Noah. Hey, nice to no, Noah uh, calling from Denver. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I I think it was a a little bit premature to take Kareem Hunt this early. I feel like like the draft should have started or something like that a little bit later um, because you look at, like, precedent as far as um, the penal codes when it comes to, like, players violating, you know, domestic um, stuff like that, domestic violence and, like, I don't think there's any precedent for taking a player taking a player up this early. It's as, it's as if he got like a small little vacation from the Chiefs and he's right back at it. I get that
1: in theory, but the reality is somebody was signing him in the next week
2: or two. Like, it
1: was happening. There was no doubt about it. So, you know, as I, as I did mention that, it's, I agree in theory, but – the reality is there wasn't a, a period of time you could have waited much longer. This would have been an issue with somebody. Someone was signing him. The guy's too talented. Um, that that's I think I, I think that piece of it. Matt, I think really really I appreciate your calling, but I mean that's that's really where I believe it, you know, things tie in to, you know, two other people. Um, you know, Ray Rice and Colin Kaepernick. And we'll you know, start off with Ray Rice. You know, Ray Rice obviously did, did something horrible. We also we have video of what he did. And, you know, the reality is, I, I'm you know, I think this proves Ray Rice was not signed because Ray Rice just did not have, at the particular time that he was signed, did not have uh, proven that he was good, had the ability that he was going to definitely be successful, that he was going to be someone who's going to make such a significant impact on a football team that it was worth, Signing him. So it's not that he wasn't signed because of domestic violence specifically. It wasn't a sign because of the domestic violence and he wasn't going to separate himself enough on the football field. And that's the piece, the bigger picture to this that it is tough for me to, to, to swallow. I mean, I think that's not to the belt. That's where, you know, for, for the great majority of organizations, it's about winning above all else and above all costs. And that's, that's going to be the reality. Um, you know, I, I say the same thing for Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is not a starter in the NFL. He's someone who would be a better backup, certainly, than the great majority of individuals. The reason why he was not signed as a backup was it's nothing to do with me judging his decision, his exercising, his free speech. It's simply teams looked at him and said, he's not a good enough player to justify some of the backlash, some of the people who are very much against him, and I'm not saying I am, but it it didn't make sense to justify the backlash you were going to get for someone that was not going to be a slam dunk type of guy that's going to help your team that is comparable to a lot of the other backups. Better than, than some, better maybe than plenty, but it comes down to, I think, where we are in 2019 in our society is if you can help out, your football team, if you can help out your baseball, your basketball, whoever it is, if you're good enough, individuals, teams are going to take a chance on you. And if you're not good enough, they're not, Uh, as opposed to just really making, you know, putting a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to bring in someone who committed such a heinous act, no matter how good they are. we're want to stand up for, you know, uh, women's rights and, and, and for what's right. And, and, and all that. So it's, uh, that's the piece of this I think is, is the hardest to sort of accept. And, and you know, for me, it's just this is where we are right now as a, as, as, as a society.
2: Do you think that we should be imposing, um, you know, <clears throat> see, it's hard because we have, like, these regulations that state what the penalties are for domestic violence issues. But then when the video comes out and it looks that much more heinous than – You know, it would look on paper. It's very difficult from a PR perspective to go back and say, you know, hey, we're going to allow this to continue. You also got the fact that the Browns have a friggin' amazing running back. Like, Chubb is a star. No, I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: as we talked about, from a football perspective, too, it's it's not a slam dunk in the way that it might be. For some teams, I mean, it sounds silly, but even though they just won the Super Bowl, let's look at you know the Patriots. They jump to mind, right? From the, solely from the perspective of not having a running back at that caliber, like the Patriots would benefit. They do not have anyone that is as talented. Well, okay, okay, let me take that back. They have Sony Michelle. I apologize. They have Sony Michelle, so that that negates it. Um, so bad example, <laughs> but uh, but Eagles. I mean, you have a banged up J for instance. You know, I, 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 someone like a Kareem Hunt, from for their perspective, between him and 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 Jhi getting healthy, between the two of them, one of them is all he needs. One of them to be healthy, and you have a much better running game, and, and that can make a difference. And I'm sure there's plenty of other examples. But yeah, the Browns are definitely not a team that you know immediately jumps out in terms of uh, having that significant need on the football field. But again, I just think so much of this. Is the bigger picture so much of this? I think comes down to you know, you know, what do we want to be? You know, when it comes to sports, when it comes to society, um, tough. Uh, this is one of those issues that I guess is is, is near and dear to me. Um, it's something I really believe in. I'm all about second chances. It's just, this is just a tough one for me to personally accept when it comes to you know abuse of a woman. Um, that's I, I I separate that from most everything else, and that's just me. That, that it's just my personal opinion on it.
0: And thank you for the call, too. So thanks for thanks for calling in. And we muted your mic, but you can still listen uh, as long as you want. So thank you. And yeah, to me, it, it's like it's tough because and and one thing I did disagree with with the call um was that it wasn't like he got a slap on the wrist. Like he wasn't allowed to play anymore for the Chiefs. Like he was pretty much told like he was done there. He was off to a great start with them. He wasn't able to – he had to watch them try to go to a Super Bowl without him. He probably feels somewhat responsible for them not going to a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like he has already served a punishment. Now, I, I don't think anybody thinks it was long enough, but, you know, it it's, to me it's one of those things where is what – should he be punished? Should he, should he never allow to be back at the NFL based on what he's done? And I don't know if there's really a clean-cut answer for that. Um, but the reality was he was too good to not get another chance. Um, you know, Ray Rice averaged 3.1 yards per carry his last NFL season. That's why he never came back. Kaepernick, people, even though he had a good season his last year as a starter, you know, teams pretty much have this, you know, they decided that, that he wasn't worth the risk. Cream Hunt's worth the risk, they all think. And like you said, the Bears were reportedly interested in him. He was going to get signed, and the longer you wait, um other teams were going to get him it was he was probably going to be signed by the end of this month so really I guess uh no matter how you feel we all just have to hope for the best now and hope that um he's going to be a model citizen and now as a Steeler fan and someone that covers the team I don't want to see him have a lot of success on the football field but uh if that's the you know I would rather have that over more issues whether it's you know, off the field or what have you. So I think that's honestly where everybody is. And, you know, um, I, I don't think in most situations in life, one mistake should uh, alter your life that much. But again, yeah, domestic violence, hitting a woman, those are terrible things. And I think the main thing to learn out there uh, for all things, um, obvi- I mean, he was in it. He never should have put himself in a position where he was where he was and did what he did in that, you know, in that time. And, Obviously, he's going to have to be smarter, and hopefully he's got a really good support system. He keeps his world small. He avoids a lot of the social media stuff, and he really just focuses on being a better person and being the best football player he can be. But if it all works out, now you've got Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt. You've got an offensive line that still needs to improve, but obviously they were good enough to to help Baker do what he did and to see Chubb rush for 1,000, well, for about three minutes, then he went under (laughs) 1,000. Um, and, you know, Jarvis Landry, and so, you know, yeah, if you just look at the football side, um, he is definitely going to help that offense, and now with the loss of Juju, or with Antonio, I mean, the Browns easily have the second best offense in the AFC North, and you know, on and it might end up having the best one, because now the Steelers are down Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Yeah, for sure, and, and, and
1: you're putting up people, great policy. I want to move I want this to work out for him as a person. I want him to do great things as a human being. I want this to be a positive. Um, he has does have the unique opportunity, you know, and, and uh, I want to, you know, I believe in attribution, we all, all journalists do, right? Or should. Um, not all journalists do. They should. Um, you know, uh, Mary Kay Cabin, I thought, she's not my favorite writer, but sh- uh, she's the, the longtime Browns. Writer. I read this too. Yeah. Um, and, I, I and yeah, what she said was great. It was You know, from her perspective, it, yeah. it, it was you know, she was covering, speaking to the ability of that the positive of bringing in cream is This is an opportunity for him to be a really important person, to be a really great member of society, to you know, wrong or to right, you know, to right his own wrongs and maybe some of the wrongs within his own family. You know, issues that may have occurred that there is a history of domestic violence from his father. Um, that you know. I, that was, it was a good point. You want to see those things happen. You want to see true contrition. You know, we should mention he's going through alcohol cons- counseling currently. Has been is going through. He's going through anger management, you know, classes, you know. Uh, so you hope it works out. And he is someone who can go into high schools. I want him to go into inner city high schools in Cleveland. The same inner city high schools I spoke yeah. to, you know, with a, with a position I had working for a nonprofit in Cleveland. And telling his story. And letting people know, look, I'm from where you're from, and I can make it, but, boy, I made mistakes and it almost cost me everything. Trying to do really good things and to do right. So, yeah, while it's a tough one for me, I want to see this young man be successful. He's a Clevelander. He's somebody that has a chance to make such good for the city of Cleveland. And, man, I hope it happens. I um, was just a person, I think we know should want to see someone like this do right and not do wrong because the stats are what they are. Either you do it right, you get this opportunity and, and you're successful with it, or you put yourself in a position statistically to be in prison for a long time, to harm other people's families potentially. And that's what the statistics are saying. So I'm very hopeful that, that it will work out. I think that's a good, you know, really kind of positive spin to put as kind of a bow On this podcast, but I think you know it's you know say this from the NFL perspective. What a week, you know. I it's it's just for football, right? We have a new league all of a sudden uh, that that debuted, and I want to shout out my boy Jalen Marshall. What a performance! uh, You know, throwing a touchdown pass, catching a touchdown pass. Uh, Great job for the Orlando Apollos and Steve Spurrier. Um, Fantastic job in this new. Uh, new football league that we have the new this new AAF football league that uh, I thought I don't know if you watched any of it I thought the product was pretty good and this could really end up being a real positive for uh, players that from a you know an ability perspective or a seasoning perspective or maturity perspective or whatever it may maybe aren't quite ready for the NFL and um, maybe end up getting cut out of training camp and then have a chance to play football to get a, to showcase themselves and then be able to. You know, uh, have a strong season, end up the following season on an NFL roster, on a practice squad and to get an opportunity. So uh, a lot of, a lot of fascinating, some negative, some positive, but overall, a lot going on in football, a lot going on in the NFL, and this is the offseason. This is supposed to be the dead period. Free agency doesn't start for what a month. Um, and we're sitting here, and a
0: lot a lot's going on when it comes to football right now, Brian. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I and I honestly think that the NFL there really isn't off season anymore, and they've really stru- structured everything to that they're kind of always in the news. You know what I mean? Like right now, you've got your your you know
2: your just dis- you know you had
0: the Joe Flacco thing today. Teams are agreeing in principle to make trades, and then. Uh, you've got your, who's going to be a free agent, who's going to re-sign with their team, and the combine, and then you've got free agency, which that first day of free agency is insane, Uh, and then you've got uh, the draft, you know, very shortly after that, you've got the announcement of schedules, uh, you've got the NFL 100 list, which is now taking on a life of its own, and uh, all that, your OTAs, mini camp, rookie, rookie camp, uh, and then training camp, so, um there's really not a a dead period and it's really insane and honestly like yesterday like yesterday I was writing fluff stories and all of a sudden the AB thing happened and I was like well I don't know when I'm going to use these and I still haven't used them because you know and I think that is honestly what what separates NFL from any uh, any of the other sports and you know uh uh, Aaron Portsline of the who covers the Blue Jackets he was upset apparently today and made a little bit of a of a rumble on Twitter because he was mad that the fan in Columbus was spending more time discussing Joe Flacco than the Blue Jackets. When, you know, it's kind of, it is what it is. I mean, the NFL is king, even in a city that doesn't have an NFL team. And that's quite frankly, is the way it is. But I did like the AAF. I I watched part of it. Um, The Birmingham Iron, the Steelers affiliate. Brian, let me
1: interject one Um, piece to you. If if, if you
0: don't mind,
1: sorry. I want to interject. No. This ties into exactly what you're saying of how popular. So going back to the AAF, right? The AAF yes. defeated the NBA game, the NBA and ABC, which I believe was the Thunder and the the Rockets. Which that's a good basketball game. Like you don't even have to worry about the issue of like you know people like me may hate the Warriors or some people may hate Le- LeBron or that the Lakers are not very exciting. Regardless, so, um, that's a quality NBA game if you're a basketball fan. And and this new football league on its opening night beat it. And I understand that, you know, the XFL, the original XFL, not the one that's around next year, uh, did the same thing. But it just speaks to, and I'll let you get back to your point, but, yeah, it just speaks to football. No matter what happens, a few weeks ago, everyone was so frustrated. And You know, the city of New Orleans was like the one city in the country they did manage to stand by the protest and they did not have a lot of Super Bowls uh, being watched in New Orleans. I uh, You know, I know – it was widely reported, and I, I, I have a friend that was there. And was Legitimately, the buyers in New Orleans were not showing the Super Bowl out of protest. But no matter what happens, no matter what issues the NFL faces or football faces, it's King, and I just wanted to, I apologize, wanted to interject one more example of how a league that is essentially minorly football with, unless you're a big fan of football or a big fan of college football, you probably haven't heard of most of the individuals that were involved, like Trent Richardson's one name that people would know. On the Birmingham team, but a league that doesn't have a ton of star power, you know, is able to beat a really solid, tough game between two, you know, Western Conference contenders in the NBA
0: um, on its first week, just speaks to how popular football is. Oh yeah, and I and I I watched uh, uh, some of the second day. I didn't see any of the games on Saturday, but I watched the the last game on Sunday, and I enjoyed it, and it was good football for the most part. Um, any league that's just starting is going to have some, but I love, they're not competing with the NFL. And I think that's the important thing. And the NFL, I mean, the NFL never broadcasted some of the games. And as I said, the Steelers, the Birmingham iron is their affiliate. So um, they actually had a great tweet when the AB stuff happened. They said, Hey, you need something to get your mind off AB. Here's some highlights from some former Steelers. Cause they have like six or seven former Steelers on their team. So I love it. It could definitely, could definitely serve as kind of a feeder league for the NFL and it's definitely something that fans can enjoy in the off season. My fear from the NFL off season, my fear is when the XFL comes in, how does that mess with the AAF? Is that going to cause an oversaturation and uh but but then my first thought was let's make that an off season super bowl. The AAF's best team, the XFL's best team. Let's get it on. <laughs> So I'm already thinking about that. But yeah, I want to try to get to an AAF like game and cover one. I applied for credentials, so hopefully I will be going to an AAF game very soon. Uh that's my plan. Well I would uh, hope I don't it. know which I team I'm gonna follow yet. I like the Apollo. Yes. I would not imagine, and I- if I can't get one that I think would speak about uh, my career at this point, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah, no it's funny. But that is fun, right? Like you know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland both, you know, don't have teams so you kinda of pick and choose, right? Like for me, you know, as did you went to you're also a pit fan. And I imagine that, you know, whether it's former Steelers or Pit Panthers like if you're from Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania, that's exciting to you. You can root for those teams. But I'm looking at some of the Buckeyes and the different teams they're on. I I'm happen to be a big fan of Logan Woodside, uh, uh, who was one of the better quarterbacks the Mac's probably ever seen, or at least Toledo has seen. I enjoyed watching him the last few years. Like The fact that guy's playing, I like um, based on what happened with the Browns, I can't say I'm a big Trent Richardson fan, but sure, I'm very fascinated to what happens with him, how effective he is in a scenario where his you know, in the NFL, his lack of vision, that was just embarrassing. Uh, um, for him, you know, it's better. And does he get another chance? It's just fascinating that a human interest story. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in the but I think you brought up a good point. Let's let's do it. Let's have another AFL-NFL, uh, you know, championship-type game. Let's uh, repeat that here and beyond and have an XFL-AF uh, championship game. I think that would be – would be good. So yeah, I think probably really time just for, fi- for final thoughts at this point. We'll, we'll wrap up this, this podcast here and appreciate everyone listening to the Jared Rose show and the Steel conversation. Um, You know, I just, yeah, I just just want to say uh, again, I mean, these are, you know, I'm really excited about what's going to happen moving forward. I think these were important issues that we covered today. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how things resolve itself with Antonio Brown. Where does he end up going? You know, there's a lot of smoke about San Francisco. Does he end up there? Does he end, does he end up somewhere else? You know where, um, you know where does he go? And, and the whole Creme Hunt story, following it, seeing what happens, you know, seeing more of the fallout, seeing how John Dorsey reacts. Um, you know what decisions, you know, did, does he make moving forward? Uh, I think so far, you know, again, the decision's controversial. I think everything he's done after the decision has been positive, so I will give them credit for that.
2: Um,
1: but every move that they make is going to have to be critical. You have two very different issues, but both the franchises we're talking about, the Browns and the Steelers, have absolute critical decisions to make on the football field and beyond, and uh, we'll be watching it unfold here uh, before free agency, and, and I guess, hey, before we know it, we'll, free agency will be in full swing, we'll get to – you know, get to a point where it won't be too long before OTAs and mini camps, and then training camp, and, and another football season. will be there, uh, as it does. We you get older, like we are. You get a little, little bit older, and it's amazing. Time time flies, and we'll be a football season
0: before we know it. Oh, that's always that's that's what always happens. And I guess my 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 parting thought would be about the the AB thing. Um, is this it's. I think at some point he lost reality between social media and reality. Um, I don't know if there's any athlete as good as him that's on social media as much as him to the point that when he's not on it, you know, something's wrong. And uh, it's honestly a little disturbing. And I think that would be a lesson for aspiring athletes or whomever um, try to understand the reality that exists between real life and social media. I I really think there's a blur there. that Antonio doesn't see. And, uh, that to me is honestly, um, the most troubling thing in this, this whole situation. And I think it, you know, what ultimately ended his time in Pittsburgh was, um, his perceived lack of, of respect. And I think some of that was very warranted and some of that wasn't, uh, and I think that honestly, just like the Browns and Cream Hunt, I, I, Hey, I'm taking back what I said earlier. I want the, whoever the Browns play, I'm not cheering for them anymore. As you said, the times of point for them, the little brother, that's over. They're now legit competition and uh, I'm not cheering for them respectfully to win any games this year. Just like you're not cheering for this to win any games ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I, and I, I hope that, That being said, I hope that Kareem Hunt does well there, both on and off the field. And I hope that that AB does well wherever he goes and the Steelers continue to do well. I I wish no ill will towards either party uh, there. So, yeah, Brian, this was fun, man. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, As Brian alluded to, we're going to be doing these uh, uh, quite a bit coming up. And before we know it, we'll be talking about Buckeye football and, and all of that and maybe some Blue Jackets playoff talk next time as we're getting close to deadlines there. So. Uh, Thanks again for joining our podcast and uh, safe travels and uh, springtime and warmer weather is going to be coming here uh, hopefully sooner
2: rather than later.
1: Absolutely. So for Brian...